Do turn in your Bibles to Romans uh, chapter 8. We're going to look at verses uh, 1 to 4. Uh, I've noticed my notes have chopped off my last point, so, this, uh, so I apologize for that in advance, and we'll see how much of that I can remember. Um, but I don't know what sort of week you've had uh, this week. I'm not sure how your week has been. When you get asked that question, I don't know what your reaction is. Mine is usually to give an answer that is as vague as possible uh, to avoid further questions. Um, Non-committal, it's not bad, been okay, do that. How was work? Jenna comes home, asks me how was work, fine. That's it. Uh, We can be like that, can't we? But I want you to to stop and think. I want you to say it out loud, but I want you to think about how your week has been this week. I want you to think about everything you've done, everything you didn't do, everything that you've said, everything that you didn't say. And when you reflect like that, I think most of us will have had a week like Paul details in Romans 7 and verse 14 where he says, I am, a, I am unspiritual, sold as a slave to sin. I do not understand what I do, for I do what I do not I, for what I want to do, I do not do, but what I hate, I do. And in verse 18, he says, For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. For I do not do the good I want to do, but the evil I do not want to do. This I keep on doing. Maybe that was you this week. I'm sure it is many of us that, can, that we can relate to those words. Uh, maybe as you come here this evening, you feel like a failure. Uh, you feel overwhelmed by sin. Here you are with a bunch of people who have everything sorted. Uh, We're very good, aren't we, at putting our masks, not these masks, our other masks, aren't we, and pretending uh, that everything is okay. Where do you fit in? How could you have done that? Uh, Where is your hope uh, this evening? Well, for people like you and I, uh, thankfully, uh, there is hope. And Paul is writing here to some Christians in Rome, and he shows them that actually... Rather than being trapped in a situation where they feel guilty, they can't live up to to what they should be doing, rather than that, actually, they are free. They can have freedom. There is great freedom. And Satan may tell you otherwise, and you might feel trapped, uh, but Paul tells us here that we are free. And I want us to see that we're free. Four things about freedom this evening, okay? Uh, we'll be 25 minutes or so. Four, four things. First one, we are free from condemnation. We see that in verse 1. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And I'm sure you'll have heard this before because most of you have been coming to church for a long time. But if you come across the word therefore in the Bible, what do you need to do? You need to ask, what's that there for? So we're going to ask, what's that there for? So why is Paul saying there uh, for at the start of verse 1? Because it doesn't seem to flow logically. And it's likely that Paul is, is referring back to the first seven chapters of this letter to the church in Rome. And what he's saying is the culmination of all of what he has said is summarized in this. That for those who are in Christ Jesus, there is no condemnation. That is a wonderful thing for us to hear this evening that there is no 
condemnation. There is not a guilty moment for us if we are in Christ Jesus. Yeah, it feels different from that, doesn't it, in our day-to-day lives. Often it feels like the, the condemnation is here. Yet here, G- Paul says that if you're in the Lord Jesus, that you have no condemnation. And it's interesting that in the original language, the emphasis is on the word no. The emphasis is on the word no. Paul is emphasizing to these Christians that there is no condemnation. So what he's saying is not that, they, that it's just hidden away, that its condemnation is in the background waiting to be, to be brought to, f- to the fore when something goes wrong, that actually condemnation is gone. Condemnation has gone completely. The great Welsh preacher, I'm sure you may have heard of him, Martin Lloyd-Jones, uh, said that many of our, or most of our struggles as Christians come from, this, from a failure to understand the implications of this one verse. We don't understand that there is no condemnation, that it is gone. Because what you and I do is we like, to, we like to go over the same thing in our minds, don't we, again and again. We think about how we've broken the speed limit, how we've been rude to parents, how we've lost our temper with the children, how we, the guilt of, of past sins that still have a consequence today. And we think, well, actually, there must be condemnation. And even though we know that actually being condemned is something that is not for us as a Christian. We still act like it is. So I'm sure some of you are like me in that, you know, you become a Christian, and that's great, you're under no condemnation, and then you'll sin. Oh, man, I'm under condemnation again. So what, what you do is you try really hard. So you make sure that when we're singing hymns, you do it really loudly. Uh, you, re- you read the Bible more, and, and you're trying to pray more. Now, please don't misunderstand me. Those things are good things to do. But once we've started doing that and we feel a bit better about ourselves because we've done those things, then we think, right, I'm back under no condemnation because I've done these things. And then we'll sin again. And suddenly we'll feel like we're under condemnation, that nothing, uh, that our relationship with God has changed and he is there to condemn us. And we keep going through this cycle. And even though in our heads we know that's wrong because we know what this verse says, in our hearts, we carry on going through that same cycle again and again and again. And Paul says that there is no condemnation, not to everybody. And I want to be clear on that this evening, and we'll think a little bit more about this in a second. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So it's not that everybody, it's not, it's not the promise for everybody. This is the privilege of those who are in Christ Jesus this evening, that if you are in Jesus Christ, there is no condemnation. All of your sins, the darkest, the blackest, they're covered. And you and I are in this glorious state where we can say to one another this evening, there is no condemnation. And because there there is no condemnation, that cannot be revoked. It is final. If you were to change that, it would deny Christ himself. So if we do what we sometimes, how we live, where we play that in our minds again and again and how we feel, we're actually denying the Lord Jesus. But here is this amazing truth that our sins are gone. As far as God is concerned, they do not exist. There is no condemnation. 
And if you're like me this evening, I'm sure some of you are, that still dogs us, does it? That when we read words like this or we, or we hear words like this, we can hardly believe what we're seeing and hearing. We can, when we read here in Romans 8 about the reality of our, of our condition now in, as ongoing sinners, yet there is no condemnation. Yes, I have sinned. Yes, I have fallen short of God's glory. But I've come to Christ. I've put my faith and trust in him. So even though I fall short at this very minute, even though I'm falling short of God's glory, but I'm in Christ. And for those who are in Christ, there is no condemnation. Is there anything better than that in the whole world this evening? That you, if you're in Christ Jesus this evening, are free from condemnation. Is there anything more wonderful than that? There's, you're not going to hear anything better on the news. You're not going to read anything better on the internet. You're not going to, you know, nothing your family says is going to be better than that. You are free from condemnation. And so we need to ask ourselves the question, don't we? Are we in Christ Jesus this evening? Can it be said that you are, that you are in him? Do you know him? Are you his child? Have you put your trust in him? If not, do that this evening so that you may know that even though your sins, as we will see in a second, deserve punishment and death and hell, that actually God says there is no condemnation, not just for your past sins, but your present sins and your future sins. Whatever sin you may commit tomorrow, there is no condemnation if you're in Christ Jesus. They're gone. They're blotted out. And we need to let that, uh, let our, take our breath away this evening. Secondly, so having seen that we're free from condemnation, we also see that we are free from the power of sin. We see that we're free from the power of sin. For the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. Now, when we're talking of law, we need to be careful because Paul uses the word, well, the Bible uses the word law in lots of different ways, but Paul uses the word law in different ways as well in Romans. He uses it three ways in Romans, the word law. Sometimes he will use the word law for God's law, God's standards. Sometimes he will use the law as in we would use a general principle like the law of gravity. So let's say, for example, you know, if I want to go and drop something heavy on Mark's head, well, that wouldn't be a very nice thing to do. But we know that the law of gravity says if I drop it, we know it's going to drop and it's going to hit him on the head. We know that that's a general principle. And sometimes Paul will use it in a third sense where he's talking about a power. And this, it is in this third sense that Paul is using it here in verse 2 when he talks about uh, the law of sin and death and how we've been set free from that. Because before you became a Christian, you could never say no to sin. Now, that's not to say you never did say no to sin, but in you, you didn't have the power to, to, to face temptation and to, and to not give into it because sin was your master. But what Paul is saying here is that he, the God has, has given us, the law of the spirit of life has set us free. The Holy Spirit, he has come and set us free from this law of sin and death. He has come, he has gone into us, he is inside us, he is working in us, so that no longer are we chained to this law of sin and death. But instead, we are free 
from it. Sin and death is like that cruel master who is leading us along. And now he doesn't anymore. Imagine that you're walking down a country lane and you can see this high chain link, chain link fence. And as you walk further and further, you see all of these people who are inside this chain link fence and you actually can see that it is this massive cage and it is just full of people. And there is one guy in there who is bigger and stronger and he has this whip and he is shouting at them. His name is Sin. And he is shouting at these people. He is demanding them. He is telling them what they need to do. And people have no option but to obey him. Imagine you're one of those people. How you feel. You can do anything about it. You're stuck. He is just telling you. he, he, He owns you. And imagine one day you're taken from that cage... And you're taken to the other side of the road. You're free. You're in the field. You're not chained to him. Yes, you might still hear him barking his orders at you. Because he's still the other side of the road. And when he does that, you still may feel, oh, I'm going to do that. Because actually, that's all you've ever done. But for the first time in your life, you do not have to listen to him. You do not have to obey him. You can do something different. Because you have been set free. He is stuck in the cage. He can't come and get you anymore. You have a different power. The spirit of life has set us free from the law of the spirit of sin and death. He has done that for us in Christ Jesus. And that means that we can actually, for the first time, say no to sin. No to temptation not because we have that strength in ourselves because the holy spirit he is changing our hearts uh i'm sure you know lots of verses in the bible don't they tell us that i am a new creation you know that don't you that your heart desire they change when you become a christian we read in titus don't we that the grace of god appeared to all men and what does it do it teaches us doesn't it to say no to ungodly desires there is something different about us so rather than being than sin and death reigning in our lives as a cruel and ruthless master that is leading us to destruction and eternal punishment now there is no condemnation but also that there is we have freedom from the power of sin in christ through his spirit and the spirit has given us he is the life-giving spirit of god this new life in him is credited to us And we've been set free, to use the old words, from the bondage of sin and death. So the old hymn says, my chains fell off. My heart was free. We are free from condemnation. We are free from the power of sin. Because you see, the power of the Holy Spirit is greater than the power of sin. And yes, you will will still struggle. So one of the reasons I read... Romans 7, is it clearly shows us, doesn't it, the struggle of a Christian. That sometimes we will do things that we don't want to do. That the things that we want to do, we do. And it gets confusing. It certainly was confusing reading it uh, with all the do's and the don't do's. But you know what I mean, don't you? You won't even get through this evening and there will be something, oh, I wish I hadn't done that. I knew I shouldn't have done it. Why have I done that? How many times do you say to yourself in a week, what have I just done that for? 
but we are no longer a slave to the sinful nature. The chains of being in the cage have gone, that the law of the spirit of life has set us free. So, free from sin, or free from condemnation of sin, free from the power of sin. Thirdly, we see that we are free only through Jesus Christ. We are free only through Jesus Christ. And we see that in verse 3. For God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do by sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh for sin. He condemned sin in the flesh. You see, the law could not save us. And it wasn't because the law was bad. Again, I wanted to read, I wanted to read Romans 7 to show us that actually the law, the law is good. But because of our sinfulness, the law could never save us. Because what is impossible for the law is possible for God. And you can see in verse 3 that God does a number of things, doesn't he? I don't know if you, can, if you notice those things that, that he does. Firstly, we see that what the law couldn't do, God could do. And we see there that God sent his own son. God sent his own son. Do you know like I said that the emphasis in verse 1 was on the word no? The emphasis here is on own. His own son. He wants to emphasize the cost of us having no condemnation. So if any of us here this evening were to ask the question, what happened to the condemnation by which we were enslaved? Did that just disappear into thin air? Did God magically make it go away? Well, no, that, that, that condemnation was there, wasn't it? Ready to consume us. But it was extinguished in the bosom of God's own son. The reason that you and I are not condemned is because God condemned his own son in our place. The second thing we notice in verse 3 is that God sent his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh. Now, that's a strange thing because I'm sure some of you, you think, well, what does that mean? Uh, is he saying that Jesus is sinful? Well, no, he's not saying that. We know that that's not, that's not true. So G, we, he can't be saying that. What he's saying is, is that, that in, in Jesus' humanity, he came and he was as like us as he could possibly be without sinning. So it was in that likeness of sinful flesh. It wasn't that he came in sinful He was like us. He went, one commentator said he went as close to the line as he could possibly go. Yet there was no sin in him. Paul is not undermining the reality of Christ's humanity here. He is saying that Jesus assumed human nature. He had two natures, didn't he? He, had, he was God and he was man. He became a man. He took flesh like ours. He, he used our, he uses likeness, doesn't he? Because he didn't, he said sinful flesh. If he came in sinful flesh, but he came in the likeness of it. Murray, uh, the commentator says that he is concerned, Paul is concerned to show that when the father sent the son into this world of sin, of misery and of death, 
that he sent him in a manner that brought him into the closest relation to sinful humanity that it was impossible that it was possible for him to come without himself becoming sinful jesus came like us he became a man like us and we see as well don't we that he was condemned he condemned he came for sin and he condemned sin in the flesh you see that jesus needed to come to sort out our sin that is the cost of that is the cost of our sinfulness that is the cost of all that we have done wrong jesus was perfect he he had been there with god the father for the whole of eternity he came into this world and he never did anything wrong so when he came he could come and do what we did not do jesus was able to come and live a perfect life and he did that he came he never did anything wrong so that when he went to the cross he was able to be punished for sin in our place so when he died he took our condemnation when he died he took our sin he took our sin off our back and put it on his own back and instead of well it would have been that would have been amazing in and of itself wouldn't it but he also gave us his righteousness he gave us his perfection he gave us his no condemnation for want of a better phrase he did that for us so he came not just in the likeness of sinful flesh he came to sort out sin and there on that cross that condemnation that was like a fire and was going to consume us he stood there until all of that was gone he we may fall short we may deserve hell but jesus we are only free in jesus and that's important for us to remember isn't it we're not free because of our church attendance we're not free because we read the bible we're not free because maybe you're going to be in prayer meeting on wednesday do come to prayer meeting that's a good thing but that's not why we're free we're free only because of Jesus Christ. Paul says in chapter 18 of, no, not chapter 18, verse 18 of chapter 5. There's not 18 uh, chapters in Romans. Uh, but in, in, in verse 18 of chapter 5, Paul says that, Therefore, as one trespass led to condemnation for all men, so one act of righteousness leads to justification and life for all men. For as by one man's disobedience the many were made sinners, so by the one man's obedience the many will be made righteous. Paul is saying, right? Simple argument to understand. When Adam first sinned, it was a death sentence for all of us. And ever since then, we were under condemnation. We could do nothing about it. We were trapped. We need somebody to fix it. God the Son, Jesus Christ, came to do that. He had to become one of us. In Hebrews 2, it talks about, doesn't it? How he had to become like us so that he could save us. And he died, that perfect sacrifice, taking our guilt and giving us our freedom. So in just the same way that we've all been under sin ever since Adam sinned, well, in exactly the same well we don't have a problem do we believe in that because we feel it every single day but in the same way that if we're in christ ever since christ has come and died and risen from the dead in the same way that through that one man's obedience through his perfection and his sacrifice we will be made righteous our guilt 
and sin is gone. So if you're looking for freedom here this evening, whatever you are looking for freedom from, true freedom will only be found in Jesus Christ. So we've seen that we have freedom from condemnation from sin. We have seen that we have freedom from the power of sin. Um, we have seen, haven't we, that we only have freedom through Jesus Christ. Fourthly, we have freedom to live for him. We have freedom to live for him. In verse 4, we read that in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us, who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. It's easy, isn't it, here to think, well, actually, if I've got no condemnation, then I can do what I want. Right? If I've got no condemnation over what I do tomorrow, I can just go and do what I want to do. It doesn't matter about what I do after that. All that matters is around I've been free from condemnation for my sin. That's not what this is about. Because this is about we've been freed to live for Christ. We've been free to be holy. We are free to live for him. And whilst I might not have to follow the law in one sense to be saved because there is no condemnation, now I want to do that. Think about it. It's, I follow the rules of this land, sometimes badly, but I do that because I have to, right? I drive 70 miles an hour down the motorway because I have to. Not because I don't think that driving at 90 miles an hour would be a better idea because I'd get to my journey. I'd get somewhere far quicker, right? I do that because I have to. Whereas I do what Jenna would like me to do because I want to. I want to do something different. I want to do what she wants me to do. My heart is different. I'm not just obeying her because I want to do that. I'm obeying her because actually it's a good thing to do because that is the desire of my heart. And what Paul is saying is that once we understand this freedom, that we are free of condemnation of sin, that we are free from the power of sin, that we are free only because of what Jesus has done, that actually our heart's desire is to, is to live for him. God's purpose in condemning sin, as it says there in verse 4, so that righteous requirements of the law might be fully met in us, who do not live according to the sinful nature, but according to our spirit. According to the spirit, sorry. God's purpose in sending his son and demolishing the power of law and sin in our lives was so that the righteous requirement of the law may be filled, fulfilled in us. And if your version there says requirements, uh, it's not, it's a singular. It's not that there's a whole list of things that we've got to do. But that one requirement of the law is what? To be righteous in God's sight. And that is why Jesus came. That's why Jesus, when he was born into this world, as he lived that life, as he grew up, and you think about all the different things, that he then, he died, he rose again. And what was it for? It was to make us holy. That's why he did it. And what an example to us that we would want to do that. How can I not, when I, when I consider all that Jesus has done for me, how can I not want to live for him? I can never meet the requirements, the righteous requirements of the law. I can never do that. I can't do that. I never have because I'm not righteous in and of myself. 
But that requirement is fully met in us through faith in Christ as we live out our lives, not according to our sinful nature, but according to the Spirit of God who now lives in us. You are free, free from sin, free to live for Christ. What a wonderful thing that is for us to to finish on this evening as we think about moving out of here this evening and into the week ahead and you've got all sorts of things maybe that you've got going on and how am I going to get through this? What am I going to do? Well, the call of the Word of God, the call of our Savior is that actually we're free to live for Him. So no matter what we do, we do it for the Lord Jesus Christ to please Him so that whether we be in work, whether we be at home with children, whether we we be retired, whatever we may be doing this week. We do all things, do we not, for the glory of God. So we have seen four things this evening. We have been set free from condemnation for our sin. It's gone. There is none there. Gone. Nothing at all. It is not hidden in a corner behind those chairs and it's suddenly going to come out and get us. It is gone completely. We are free from the power of sin. We've been taken out of the cage. And even though we can still sometimes hear the guy in the cage screaming at us to do things, we now do not have to obey him. We have the power. His power over us is gone. And instead we are new creations and we have the power of the spirit of life. We've seen, haven't we, that we are free only in Jesus. Only in him. We cannot be free otherwise. Without him, we would still be condemned in our sin and we would still be stuck in the cage. But through his perfect life, his death and his resurrection, he he has taken our condemnation and dealt with all of it. And he has also taken us out of the cage and put us in the field, as it were. And fourthly, our response to that is to live, free to live for him this week. So I pray as we we move uh, on and as we go through the days of this week, that Jesus would be the center of everything for each and every one of us, and that living for him, that we would use our freedom wisely to please him and show our love for him.